evening, wherever or whenever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sports Crutch with D. Crom. I am your host, David Cromelo. Welp, it has been three weeks since Super Bowl 55, but the business of the NFL is only about to get busier as we are just over two weeks away from the start of the 2021 free agency period. And it will be a period like no other, given the COVID-19-related reduction of the salary cap and an unprecedented quarterback carousel. And, Matt Barr, should all of us NFL fans have our anti-dizziness medications ready to go? (laughs) (laughs) You better, because this is – you talked about the quarterback carousel. It's already been spinning. It's only going to get faster. It's only going to get more intense. And I think we're going to see a lot of people changing – you know, changing changing teams. It's going to be a wild free agency period. I think we had a pretty good one last year, but I think this one's going to be even more so. Uh, the the salary cap still hasn't been set. It sounds like it's going to be a little bit north of $180 million. There's a lot of teams are going to be up against the cap. They're going to be up against. There's going to be still a lot of cap casualties coming up, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be a wild ride. I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait either. We're going to see movement like no other. And uh, before we uh, look ahead, let's recap Super Bowl 55. We had planned to do that a week after the Super Bowl, but due to our schedules, uh, we uh, couldn't get together these past two weeks. But uh, let's talk about Super Bowl 55. And it was a Super Bowl almost none of us expected. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in a total team effort, absolutely dominated Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs by a score of 31-9. to uh, I haven't seen Patrick Mahomes lose that badly in the NFL yet. Nobody has. And the, how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did it was incredible. Yet, a lot of people say that the it was a perfect storm for the Bucs given the fact that the Chiefs had a uh, mass unit on the offensive line and Patrick Mahomes was uh, playing on a... Uh, turf toe injury that had to get surgery uh, uh, after the Super Bowl. So do you think this was more of an awesome performance by the Bucks, just sheer luck given the circumstances of the Holmes that the Chiefs were in, or a combination of both? I think it's a little bit of a combination of both. Uh, you, when you really look at the game and you take a step back, the Chiefs played really, really, really poorly. Not just the offensive line. Everybody wants to tag the offensive line for playing poorly. But it, really everybody except for Mahomes didn't show up. Mahomes played an excellent game, and, and he gets a lot of crap because his box score didn't look great. But twice he hit wide receivers in the face mask in the end zone for touchdown passes that were dropped. So really, and the Bucks came out, and, and their defensive line played incredibly well. Incredibly well. They kept Patrick Mahomes under pressure the whole time. They beat the backup tackles, which is exactly what you're supposed to do. And Tampa Bay showed up and did their jobs, and Kansas City can't say the same. Oh, absolutely. And uh, speaking of Patrick Mahomes, uh, you can hear it in the uh, players' mic'd up segments uh, on NFL Films on the Bucks sideline. Uh, they were just blown away by how Patrick Mahomes was playing all night. He was making throws that you, you can't see any other quarterback making in the history of the NFL, period. He played his guts out. He made all the right throws under the most difficult circumstances and under all that pressure. When he was falling to the ground, he was able to make some of the most pinpoint accurate throws ever, and his receivers just let him down. It was a gutty effort by Patrick Mahomes, and he has nothing to be ashamed of. Absolutely nothing. I think uh, it's one of the it's one of the most impressive games I've seen a quarterback play where the rest of his team just absolutely let him down. And, uh, you know, my hat's off to Patrick Mahomes. I hope his hope surgery goes well because he's going to be so much fun to watch for the next 10, 15 years because, I mean, it's just – it's almost – at this point, you almost just kind of have to pencil in the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl going forward, right? Until someone steps up and proves they can really knock them off their horse, it's, 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 it's their AFC right now. 
Uh, it definitely still looks that way. And uh, in terms of the Super Bowl 55 MVP honors, it was given to Tom Brady. But uh, as much as I love Tom Brady and respect him, I think he's the greatest quarterback of all time. It was a total team effort. And I understand why they gave him the MVP as a symbolic of the historical significance of him winning seven Super Bowls. But I would have gone a different direction. I was tweeting the whole game that you, if you could give the MVP to a coach, it would be Todd Bowles. But uh, since not Todd Bowles, I would give it to my man Shaq Barrett. Shaq, uh, what an amazing story. Him starting with my Broncos, learning from one of the greats of all time and Von Miller and Demarcus Ware. No, two of them actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, they taught him well and he finally got a chance to be the guy and he has turned into a star by working his butt off and... Uh, he had eight pressures that game, and uh, I w- personally would have given it to Shaq Barrett. Uh, who do you think should have won Super Bowl Fifty Five MVP honors? Uh, well, I, I think I like the Shaq Barrett pick. I really do. Um, when we first started the Fourth and Gold podcast, um, one of the first episodes we did was we talked about what free agents the 49ers should go after. And I said Shaq Barrett was the premier pass rusher to go after because not only had he been mentored by Demarcus Ware. And by Von Miller, he still had all the tread left on his tires because he was stuck behind those guys and he hadn't played enough. So, you know, a lot of edge guys, especially speed guys like Shaq Barrett, you know, they start to lose a step after a couple seasons just because it's just natural wear and tear on the body. Uh, So I was a huge Shaq Barrett fan before he signed with the Buccaneers. And I really thought he was uh, the prize of free agency if a team could land him. And the Buccaneers have clearly put him in a spot. But I like your original thought more. 2020 was such a weird year. It was such a weird season. Why not break the mold? Go give the MVP to Todd Bowles. Just do it. Just absolutely give it to a guy. that It showed up. He did his homework. He took one look at the tape from when they played earlier in the season, and he said, nope, we're not letting that happen again. They kept two safeties over the top at all times. They made sure that everything was in front of them. They made Patrick Mahomes run for his life. The defensive concepts were un." Real And I think the linebackers did a great job against Travis Kelsey and locking him up and forcing these guys off of their timing routes. Uh, Todd Bowles coached a perfect game. It might be the it, it's got to be one of the best coached defenses I've seen in the Super Bowl in a very, very long time. And it's actually kind of reminiscent of the last time the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl with John Gruden. That defense for them was unreal and it absolutely won them the game. So Buccaneers clearly have something here when it comes to defenses winning them Super Bowls while the offense plays well enough to keep them ahead. Oh, definitely. And uh, I remember uh, in uh, August, we talked about the potential of the Bucks to be a top five to 10 defense. And we agreed. And boy, do they live up to it? Uh, like, uh, look at that d- defensive line. You obviously know Shaq Baird and JPP coming off the edge, but uh, Vita Vea, who's turning into one of the best nose tackles in the game. Uh, and uh, and Dominican Sue uh, still had enough juice left on that defensive line and arguably the best linebacking duo in the league with Devin White, who played his ass off in the Super Bowl, and Levante David. And a secondary, the the grave diggers, we got a new uh, iconic secondary in the NFL. Um, uh, Sean Murphy, Bud Teague, Carlton Davis, Jamal Deed, three underrated corners. But when you look at the safeties, Antoine Winfield Jr., uh, he might already be a top 10 safety in the league his rookie year, and uh, he deserved uh, to give Tyree Kill um, the the signal, if you know what I mean, even if it cost him money. It was savage, man. I, I loved it, but his play is just uh, unreal. Uh, th- that secondary, I, I think, uh, proved why it is a top 10 unit as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was all three layers of the defense did their jobs from start to finish against Kansas City Chiefs, and there's not a single team in the NFL that can say that they did the same in 2020. They've really learned. I'm, I, that, that, that experience of letting Tyreek Hill getting 200 yards in one quarter, it, it, it scarred them, and it made them rethink everything. And, and the Chiefs, I, I said it all throughout the seasons, the Chiefs were playing themselves most of the way they seemed like they were getting bored and they were making weird play calls and, and Patrick, Patrick Mahomes was getting sacked for a 35 yard loss and all sorts of crazy stuff was going on. And, and really what happened is the Tampa Bay coaching staff did their homework and they coached that team to a win. They really did. They absolutely, the players obviously have to play and they have to make the plays, but the coaches I think did such a phenomenal job and it feels like the chiefs just kind of slept walking into the Super Bowl, going, Oh, well, here we go again. We're, gonna, we're just going to win another one. We're the Kansas City Chiefs. And they got smacked in the mouth. Absolutely smacked in the mouth. And Antoine Winfield is one of my favorite players. Antoine Winfield Jr. I remember watching his dad play. I'm that old. Um, I, I, I He's one of my favorite safeties in the league. And I had a huge draft crush on him last year coming into the draft. And I think he landed in a perfect spot in Tampa Bay to really showcase his skills and let him develop into, like you said, probably already a top 10 safety. Yeah, said, uh, looking ahead, uh, do you consider the Bucks favorites to win the NFC in 2021 as of right now? I don't. I actually put that on the Los Angeles Rams. I think when you look at what the Rams have done, it pains me to say, as a 49ers guy, it pains me to say this. Matt Stafford is someone that the 49ers were very much focused on trying to land. And when he went to L.A., everybody says, well, the Rams sold the farm. The Rams sold the farm. Well, the Rams sold the farm for Jalen Ramsey. The Rams sold the farm for Matt Stafford. They've done this over and over and over again, and they continue to win. Out of the four years that Sean McVay has been in L.A., their worst season was 9-7, and seven, and they just missed the playoffs. And they would have made the playoffs if it was in the current 17 format. So really, this team does nothing but win despite Jared Goff not being a good quarterback. Now they get someone like Matt Stafford who's going to go play with Robert Woods. He's going to play with Cooper Cup. He's going to be able to develop Gerald Everett, I believe. You know, Tyler Higby's a solid tight end. They've got Cam Akers turned into a good running back at the tail end of his rookie year. They have to figure out the offensive line. But if they can do that, that defense is really, really solid, even though they lost Brandon Staley to the Chargers. I, I just have to tip my cap to the Rams right now. They have to be the favorites. I think the NFC is the weakest it has been in so, so very long. So very long. I, I don't think any of the top teams right now are all that good. And, and the Rams, you know, with a backup quarterback starting against the Seahawks, you know, Jared Goff obviously came in, but they beat Seattle in Seattle. I know it's a division game. I know weird things happen, but really the Rams are just, I, I think that's a solid, solid, solid football team. And if McVay can, can get the best out of Matt Stafford, like we saw, uh, oh, what was his name in Detroit? Uh, Caldwell. What Caldwell got out of Stafford when he was there, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, they're going to be a tough out. They're going to be a tough out. I, I, I have to give the edge to the Los Angeles Rams right now in the NFC. Uh, you definitely have a case there, but uh, but with that offensive line on the Rams potentially having to go up against uh, that Bucks uh, defensive line, uh, assuming they find a way to keep uh, Shaq Barrett um, or uh, draft uh, somebody that could come in and play right away, um, that could be a potential fatal mismatch against them should they have to play the Bucks for the NFC Championship. It absolutely could be, but again, I, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give a tip of the cap to Sean McVay. I think he's an excellent coach. I think he knows exactly what he's doing. And now he finally has a quarterback that can truly run his system the way he wants it to be run. Uh, and, and I think that he'll be able to coach around that enough. And I think that the, this, the Rams defense is good enough on paper right now that they could 
compete with Tampa Bay, who Tampa Bay probably losing Chris Godwin, which is going to be a much bigger loss than people realize, I, I think. Uh, Chris Godwin is, is one of my top receivers in the league, and I think he's going to go out and he's going to get paid very, very handsomely for his services, and it's going to be well-deserved. Uh, we shall see about that come March 9th because the Bucks have two weeks to make a certain decision, which we'll get to a little bit later on. But uh, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs uh, uh, saying th- that uh, you see them going back to the Super Bowl, but history shows us it's just not assured. Only six quarterbacks in the NFL have won a Super Bowl after losing a Super Bowl. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, John Elway, Roger Staubach, Bob Greasy, and Len Dawson. And with a gun to your head, does Patrick Mahomes eventually join that group? Absolutely, 100%. I 100% believe that. I think Patrick Mahomes has already proven that he is in that category that you can talk about. Obviously, it's just three years into his career. But three years into his career, he has one AFC Championship appearance and two Super Bowl appearances with a Super Bowl win. Well, I guess it's four years into his career, but he didn't play his first year. Um, You know, I really think he has proven to be on that echelon of quarterbacks and as long as Andy Reid is there, and let's say Andy Reid decides to call it quits and they just hand the, the reins over to Eric Bieniemy, uh, I, I think that everything keeps rolling. I think everything keeps rolling. His his contract was massive, right? Half a billion dollars for Patrick Mahomes. But we're going to look in two years, and that's going to be an absolute steal, a discount. It's going to be under paid for quarterbacks for Patrick Mahomes. That's going to allow them to keep the roster together. It, much like Tom Brady. Tom Brady took pay cut after pay cut to stay in New England and to want to continue to win. You know, kind of goes with being married to a supermodel who makes a lot of money as well. He wasn't worried about the money. Patrick Mahomes doesn't have to worry about money ever again for his life. So I think that his, his long-term contract, his ability on the field, the coaching staff they have in place, I think it can really get them back to a Super Bowl. And like I said, with the NFC just being so weak across the board right now, it's hard not to have the Kansas City Chiefs as your favorites to win the Super Bowl next year. Yes, but that said, uh, Russell Wilson, Brett Favre, Dan Marino, and Ben Roethlisberger all never returned to the Super Bowl after they lost. Kurt Warner got back, but was 0-2. And, uh, and this is uh, data from a, a, a good friend of mine. And he also added that uh, it's easy to, it's hard to under to not underestimate the mental toll of losing a Super Bowl. But that said, Patrick Mahomes is as mentally tough as they come. So, uh, uh, yes, I definitely understand my friend's argument here, but based on everything we've seen from Patrick Mahomes so far, uh, it's uh, you, you can't question his ability to join that exclusive club of quarterbacks. Exactly. Exactly. I, I think he's just a, a different kind of quarterback, and I think that's going to show up when it comes to next year or the year after. I think we're going to we're going to talk about Patrick Mahomes for a very, 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 very long time, and I don't think we're going to be talking about how he could never get back and win a Super Bowl because I I, I would bet a large amount of money right now that, that, that Patrick Mahomes gets back to a Super Bowl and eventually wins one. And now, speaking of quarterbacks, let's talk about the latest quarterback carousel developments. And last week, the second domino fell as the Eagles agreed to trade Carson Wentz to the Colts for a 2021 third-round pick plus a conditional 2022 second-round pick that will become a first-round pick if Wentz either plays at least 75% of the snaps or plays at least 70% of the snaps and the Colts make the playoffs. Do you think Carson Wentz is beyond repair, or can you see Frank Reich, his old offensive coordinator in Philadelphia, fixing him? I'll tell you what. I think no one needed a culture change more than Carson Wentz. No one needed it more. He, he, he was on an MVP pace. 
when the Eagles won the Super Bowl in 2017. He was on MVP pace. He tears his ACL. Nick Foles comes in and plays one of the greatest stretches of quarterback play that we've seen from a backup quarterback in the history of the NFL. And how does the team reward Carson Wentz for his, you know, 14 weeks of MVP caliber play? They build a statue of Nick Foles outside the stadium. Every day Carson Wentz went to work, he had to walk past a statue of his backup and that has to take a mental toll on somebody. I don't think he's completely beyond repair. Carson Wentz has incredible arm talent. I think he makes some of the throws. We talked about some of the throws Patrick Mahomes makes. Carson Wentz can make a lot of those as well. And Frank Reich, I, I'm convinced until my dying days that Frank Reich won the Super Bowl for the Eagles. It was not Doug Peterson. It was absolutely Frank Reich. And if anyone can fix him, it's going to be him. I think he goes to a very good situation. They have a, they have a good stable of weapons. They have a good run game. They have a good offensive line, and they have a really solid defense. So it's not going to be a ton of pressure on Carson Wentz to win. And when you look at the AFC South, that's you know the Titans are good. Jacksonville is going to be getting Trevor Lawrence, but Houston is a dumpster fire. So it's not too difficult to see them making a good run to the playoffs. And I think Carson Wentz can absolutely be salvaged. Uh, but if Frank Wright can't do it, then it's you know I don't think anyone can. Oh, I definitely agree there. Uh, Indy was the best possible place for Carson Wentz to go because uh, I personally believe that Frank Reich is the only person that can fix uh, Carson Wentz. And which team do you think got, a, got the better end of this trade? I think it's a wash. So I, I think, you know, this it, is about as even as trades get. If Philly gets out from under that contract. They're going to need a lot of dead cap this year. They're going to need a lot of dead cap next year. That's fine because they're going to get a third-round pick this year. They're probably going to get a first-round pick in 2022 which, you know, from the Colts, it's still going to be kind of on the back end. But that's fine. You still want those first-round picks. You can package them up. You can move up. You can do whatever you need to do. But really, Philly just needed to kind of hit the reset button. And I think they needed to completely wash away everything from 2017 because they've been holding on to a lot of those guys and a lot of those feelings and a lot of that energy. And I think it was about time they just kind of separated themselves from it. And then in Indy, you know, Phillip Rivers retires. They are in desperate need of a quarterback because you can't depend on Jacoby Brissett to come back in. They are not in a position to draft a quarterback because they made the playoffs. They're not going to be towards the top end of the draft where they can make that pick. So really getting a quarterback that that Frank Reich thinks he can solve, uh, Philly getting out from that contract, and Philly getting the draft picks, I think this is a pretty even trade. It definitely looks like that uh, to start at the moment. Uh, but you also mentioned uh, the s- situation uh, in player personnel that Carson Wentz is going to. And uh, you have to uh, remember that that offensive line in Philadelphia last year was either old, injured, or grossly inexperienced. And uh, he was handcuffed behind that offensive line. Now he goes to arguably one of the top three offensive lines in football. The Colts don't have a good offensive line. They have a great offensive line. Perennial All-Pro Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly at center, Braden Smith at right tackle, Mark Glowinski at the other guard. They're, all they need is a, a left tackle to complete the picture, and I assume they will uh, be looking to the draft to do that, and I think they got the staff to coach him up there. Uh, so uh, that offensive line at Indy has, is another huge reason why I think he's walking into an ideal situation, aside from Frank Reich. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and, and I like the receivers, too. I mean, I know T.Y. Yeah. Hilton's getting a little long in the tooth, but I loved Michael Pittman coming out oh, of USC absolutely. last year. Oh, Cortland Sutton, Sutton 2.0, Michael Pittman. Exactly. I think he's going to be a fantastic weapon for him. They've got three really good tight ends that they just kind of rotate on and off the field uh, in Trey Burke, and they got, uh, uh, I can't, I'm blank on the names right now. Mo'Ally Cox. 
Yeah, Mo Ali Cox, and then you've got uh, Jack Doyle as well. So really, I mean, they've got they've got weapons. Uh, Jonathan Taylor really started to come on at the end of the year last year as a rookie running back. I think he's going to be explosive in year two. So I, I I think this is like you said, it's a perfect place for him to land, not just because of the coach that is there and it can help him and try and turn his career around, but also just that team in general is so good, is so good. And I think they were a, a, a good quarterback away from making a serious, serious run in the playoffs last year. Uh, Phillip Rivers, he retired, right? He retired because he just couldn't do it anymore. And you could just count on Phillip Rivers for throwing an interception in the fourth quarter when it mattered the most. And that's kind of the way he's been his whole career, but it was extra bad last year because he already had – kind of a noodle arm in in LA and it really showed its ugly head uh down the stretch last year uh yes and what the wet stray does it sets the stage for the next domino to fall the next big domino that is because other um smaller dominoes are likely going to fall before it's going to take a while before this other big domino falls it's likely going to be um right before the draft if not during the draft and I'm talking about Sam Darnold and uh, the market for the Wentz trade, I think, sets uh, a market for Sam Darnold should the Jets trade him. Do you see the Jets uh, getting a similar haul for Sam Darnold should they decide to trade him and take Zach Wilson with the second overall pick? I don't know if they'll get a similar haul. Um, I, I think that the haul they got that, that Philly got for Carson Wentz is is hefty for, for Sam Darnold. I, I think that is – Sam Darnold – Carson Wentz has at least shown he can do it. He's at least shown that he can be very, very successful in the NFL. Sam Darnold has not been able to consistently put together uh, games where you go, yes, he can be a guy I can absolutely 110% win with. Uh, I've been on record saying this. I think Adam Gase is a disease, and I think that I don't understand how he continues to get hired. I, I do think he stunted Darnold's development, but I don't think if Darnold gets away from Gase, I don't think we're going to see a Tannehill-esque jump. Right. Tannehill goes to Tennessee and all of a sudden he's 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 very competent. He's a he's a really good quarterback. He can do things that he couldn't do with Adam Case. But Tannehill also showed in Miami that he had that in him. We haven't seen it from Sam Darnold enough to think that he's just going to immediately become a a Pro Bowl quarterback if he gets traded. I think he's I think he's going to be more along the lines of like the Jimmy Garoppolo level, where if everything's perfect around him, he can succeed if you put him in the right system. So for that, the price to me, it's like I'm not willing to pay more than like a third rounder for Sam Darnold just because he's coming into his last year of his rookie contract. You have the fifth year option, but I don't know. It just doesn't it doesn't sit right with me that he would get a third and then a possible first the next year following. Uh, I just I think Sam Darnold can be successful in the NFL if he goes to the right system, but is that right system willing to pay for him? I don't know. Cause I think the jets want a little bit more than the, than his value is. You bring up a, a lot of great points at why uh, Darnold will probably not get as big of a haul as the Eagles got for uh, Carson Wentz. But just when you thought this carousel, could it make you even more dizzy? It was reported just this week at the athletic that Russell Wilson is indeed very, very unhappy with the Seahawks organization. And while his agent, Mark Rogers, clarified to ESPN that Russ has not demanded a trade, 
he did list four teams that his client would be open to joining if or when a trade is discussed. Those four teams being the Dallas Cowboys, New Orleans Saints, Chicago Bears, and Las Vegas Raiders. And moreover, uh, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN added that many around the NFL do expect Russell Wilson to be traded eventually. And the only question is whether such a trade gets done this year or in 2022. When would you anticipate Russell Wilson getting traded if it indeed came to that? Oh, man, I think it's going to be 2022. I think it's going to be 2022. I think Seattle's going to try and get one more year out of him. Uh, any of the, any three of those NFC, te- NFC teams, you know, New Orleans, Chicago, or Dallas, if Russell, you put Russell Wilson on those teams, that should terrify the rest of the NFC. That should absolutely terrify the rest of the NFC because all three of those teams have very, very solid weapons, and they get immediately, they've been plagued by bad quarterback play. Uh, to an extent, you know, obviously Dallas had the Dak injury. I think Dak was on pace to be in the MVP contention before his ankle went the wrong way. Um, but but Chicago is perennially a great defense, a bad quarterback. Um, I think I saw a tweet where someone listed out the the, the five best quarterbacks in, in Chicago history. And fourth was Russell Wilson saying he wanted to play for the Chicago Bears. Like that's, how, <laughs> that's how desolate the quarterback situation has been for Chicago. Um, I, I anticipate the trade to happen in 2022. I do think it will happen just because, you know, you, you see these reports come out and then you see a bunch of players that used to play in Seattle kind of chiming in and saying, hey, yeah, look, well, shocker. We didn't, no one saw this coming. And it's just, you know, they, they, they know that, that that environment up in Seattle is not great. I don't think Pete Carroll has a good grasp on the locker room. I think the Seattle Seahawks kind of implode after this season. If they have kind of a, a down year, a mediocre year, I think we see Pete Carroll let go. I think we see Russell Wilson traded. And I think we see Seattle hit the reset button. I think they're going to try and put together one more one more season where they can get it all together and maybe get back to a Super Bowl. But other than that, I really think that we're going to see Seattle just kind of hit, just 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 blow it all up and start over. Yeah, ever since the Super Bowl Forty Nine, uh, that organization has been very very stale, hasn't it? Yeah, it has, and, and they, they they keep blowing first round picks. Uh, Schneider's not great at picking in the first round. They keep they drafted a running back in the first round. They drafted an off ball linebacker oh, at the end of the first God. round. They just they keep drafting guys that that don't matter. And the offensive line is not great. Um, it's given Russell Wilson the yips to an extent. Russell Wilson bails out of pockets that are pretty good sometimes, just because I think he's terrified they're going to fall apart at any given second. Uh, so really, I mean, they've had some really good picks. Obviously, getting Tyler Lockett was great. DK Metcalf was great. But outside of that, it's just they're kind of hoping that moon balls are going to win them a lot of football games. And they do. But that's not a sustainable, you know, it's not a sustainable uh, function and not uh, a plan. You can't depend on that long term to win. And I, I think we saw, you know, the Rams kind of crack that code in the playoffs. Don't let them get the moon ball, force them underneath, force them out of the pocket. And it's just it, it worked. It worked for L.A. So. Oh yeah, that's a stale franchise, and I, I'm I don't know why I sighed there. That, that that makes me incredibly happy to hear all this <laughs> nonsense coming out of Seattle. But uh, but yeah, I think I think it's I think it's a stale franchise is the best way to put it. Uh, yes, and uh, if Pete Carroll is indeed let go after the 2021 season, John Schneider has to be let go with it because uh, ever since uh, the uh, 2010, 2011, and 2012 drafts that uh, essentially brought the core of the Legion of Boomer Seahawks together, uh, Schneider's drafting has been at least bottom three in the NFL. No reason why he should stay on in Seattle. And it was kind of shocking to hear that the Lions were interested in 
potentially hiring him away from the Seahawks after his dismal record in the draft in recent years. Yeah, that 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 raised some eyebrows for me too. I I, I don't understand when you poach. It, 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 NFL front offices are dinosaurs. I'm absolutely convinced of this. They keep recycling the same old people to come in and, and do the same jobs. And it just seems like, you know, we're obviously a part of draft Twitter. We obviously do our own scouting. We, we put it together, our own, our own thoughts and opinions. And it seems like draft Twitter is, is so much more right about players than the NFL teams are. And it's, it's pretty consistent to me that, that, that these guys are, the draft Twitter is right. So I, I don't understand why teams don't, Branch out, get younger, go get some of these guys and put together these reports and, and bring them on or and consult them or do something. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. They keep recycling all these guys and yeah. it's just, they wonder why franchises don't turn themselves around. Seattle has won. Yes, but they've won on the back of Russell Wilson. They haven't won on the back of building through the draft and being consistently good drafting team. So I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, uh, none of us do. It's uh, the NFL establishment, or as uh, Evan Silva of Established to Run calls it, the cocoon, so to speak. So uh, that that uh, is one of the more unfortunate aspects of covering the uh, National Football League, uh, indeed. And uh, stay with Russell Wilson for a moment. Uh, which of those four teams that uh, his agent listed, uh, Cowboys, Saints, Bears, Raiders, do you think is the best possible fit for him? The Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys would be the best possible fit. He would go to the weakest division in the NFL. He would immediately have three very good wide receivers. He would immediately, you know, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup. Uh, I think Ezekiel Elliott is over the hill. I think Tony Pollard is the best running back on that football team. I don't really think it's close. Tony Pollard is a very good running back. Uh, Offensive line is sketchy, but, you know, it's not something he hasn't dealt with before. And I think if, you know, I don't think Mike McCarthy survives this year. So if Mike McCarthy doesn't survive this year, he gets to start over with a new coach. And I think if you go trade for someone like Russell Wilson, I think he's earned enough clout in the NFL that even Jerry Jones might listen to him and be like, all right, hey, who do you want to be your coach? And if they can get that done, he can go pull his own coach and choose who he wants to play for. I think Dallas Cowboys would immediately be the favor of the NFC East, and they would be a very, very, a very, very threatening team in the NFC. Yes, plus uh, given the uh, Cowboys' uh, scouting department is one of the best uh, in the entire league, led by Will McClay. And uh, even though their offensive line has either retired or got old, they are perfectly capable of uh, rebuilding that unit uh, from scratch. And, uh, and Russell Wilson going to a team that prioritizes offensive line play uh, is uh, a obviously a perfect destination for him indeed. But the elephant on this quarterback carousel still remains Deshaun Watson, and it was reported by uh, ESPN's Dan Graziano that last week he sat down with David Culley, the new head coach of the Houston Texans, and uh, said that he has no interest in playing for David Culley, and uh, he wants to be traded. So obviously uh, everything that we've been hearing is true, and uh, and as we uh, talked about on this program weeks ago, this could last until we, we might not see a Deshaun Watson trade go down until late August at the earliest, and he could have to sit out the entire 2021 season to force a trade. So this is going to take a while, but one potential team has cropped up as a serious contender for his services if and when the trade talks uh, are forced to get initiated, and that is the Carolina Panthers. And looking at the Panthers, I actually think it's a very underrated fit for Deshaun Watson. You got Matt Rule, a proven 
leader, a proven culture setter at head coach. And yes, they only won five games his first year, but it's clearly that everybody is bought in. A forward-thinking owner in David Tepper. An underrated stable of weapons with a Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. And uh, potentially they could draft Kyle Pitts if he's available. And, uh, and a young defense uh, with uh, players like Derek Brown and Brian Burns and, uh, and Jeremy Chin. And... Uh, and also, you go where all those Clemson fans are. How great of a potential fit are the Panthers for Deshaun Watson, in your view? I think the Carolina Panthers are the second best fit for Deshaun Watson in the NFL. I think the first is the San Francisco 49ers. I think this, I think Deshaun Watson with Kyle Shanahan would absolutely crush. Uh, oh, yeah. I, we talked about how Matt Stafford made the Rams the favorites in the, NF, in the NFC. I think if the 49ers were to land Deshaun Watson, they immediately become the favorites. That's how strongly I feel about how good Deshaun Watson is. But Carolina is a fantastic fit. Like you said, I really like Matt Rule. I really, I, I very much enjoyed watching his practices down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. Uh, you know, you look at the guy's resume. He's coached just about every single position group. It's wild. His resume is incredible. It, it, he's, he's a fantastic uh, tone setter. He, it, the way he ran his practices was just fascinating to watch. I, I, I like Carolina as a fit for them. Uh, from my understanding, what's going on in Houston right now, though, is they're just kind of just they've got a legal pad out and they're letting people leave voicemails with their offers. And they're kind of just taking notes on 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 who they're going like who's making the best offer right now. If Carolina can put together a dynamite package and get them back their first round picks, the get back Houston, their first round picks, they've traded for Laramie Tunsil and they've traded all over the place. I think it's I think it's an incredibly smart move. Incredibly smart move. If, if Carolina can pull it, that would be a very big coup. And I think. I think they would immediately become very serious contenders with with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFC South. Houston's going to blow this, though. I'm convinced of it. Houston's going to blow this. They need to trade him before the draft or on draft day because on draft day, you can get four first-round picks. That's the only day you can get four first-round picks is on draft day. If that's their price, if that's what they really want, that's when they have to. It. And if they're going to let Deshaun Watson go via trade this year, right? Uh, I think they have to this year. They can't let it wait one year or, or else uh, the, the the trade offers might uh, be much less than what they should be. Yeah, they're already they're already beating their 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 value into the ground. I, not Deshaun Watson's value, but just the trade value they're going to get out of it by, by not listening to teams and not being willing to negotiate at all. If they wait until after the draft you're going to miss out on a potential top 12, top five, top 10 pick from a team that wanted to trade for him. You're going to miss out on all that young talent. You're going to have to be, you're, you're going to be stuck in, in quarterback limbo. What are you going to do at quarterback? If you trade Deshaun Watson in August, are you just telling your players that you're absolutely committing to losing that year? Because if you go and you, drives me nuts, man. If, if the Texans were to trade him now or trade him on draft night, and get that value, they can go draft a quarterback. They can draft a rookie quarterback and, and, and have him ready to go week one. You know, draft one of the top four guys, draft one of the one of the, you know, maybe a Mac Jones. But go get somebody that they just uh, it drives me nuts watching Houston do this because I just know that the it seems like the only way Deshaun Watson's gonna get out of Houston is if he goes fully scorched earth, nuclear, just blows everything up publicly. But Deshaun Watson is such a high-class person that he won't do it. And 
because he is a black quarterback, he would immediately be labeled in the media and by fans and by everybody else as a malcontent and everything else because he's already being labeled as such by being quiet and just quietly requesting a trade. I, I don't want to even imagine the backlash that would happen if he came out and just ripped the organization apart publicly. Uh, I don't fault him for being quiet at all, and the fact that he's getting criticized as a malcontent for being quiet shows how uh, stupid too many people really are. <laughs> yeah, it, it's such a poor label to put on someone, because if you've ever heard Deshaun Watson talk, you've ever heard him in a post-game press conference, you heard J.J. Watt say to him when they're walking on field, we wasted one of your years. The team clearly think, the players, I should say, the players clearly think very, very highly of Deshaun Watson. He was thought very, very highly of coming into the draft process, but he fell because, uh, oh, you know, I don't know. People have weird hangups. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what you didn't see on tape. Arm strength. Uh, too many people want arm strength. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. The, the, the dinosaurs in the front offices value the weirdest things, but the players clearly value him. He's a very outspoken member of the community. He's a great human being, and he's stuck in the worst quarterback situation I can remember for a star quarterback in a very, very long time. This guy deserves to get out of Houston. Houston deserves to get absolutely nothing in return for him. That is a terrible franchise that has run his talent into the ground and does not deserve to win at all. I do not like the Houston Texans. I think that is a bad franchise. Uh, it's arguably the worst franchise, not just in the NFL, but in professional sports right now. I totally agree. They are not a dumpster fire. They are the dumpster fire of dumpster fires. Thy name is the Houston Texans. And now let's play a game called You're It or You're Not It. And obviously I'm talking about the dreaded franchise tag because uh, this past Tuesday, the window for NFL teams to apply either franchise or transition tags to players opened and it closes on March 9th. And several teams have some intriguing decisions to make about players to tag or not to tag. And when you look at the Tampa Bay Bucks, it's either Chris Godwin or Shaq Barrett. Which of those guys is it and which of those guys is not it? Shaq Barrett is it. He has to be it. You saw what he did. We said we we discussed it earlier. He should have won the MVP in the Super Bowl. Should have won the MVP. The guy needs to be. They need to keep him. They absolutely need to keep him for one more year because I think, like I said, you know these speed rushers get a little tread taken off their tires and they start to slow down. I think you're going to get one more supremely productive year out of Shaq Barrett, and then I think you can let him walk. But they need to keep Shaq Barrett because they need to keep that defense top flight. Chris Godwin, very good wide receiver. I love him very much. I, I really think he's a solid, solid, solid player. I think he's in it, but I think he's going to go elsewhere and be successful. Uh, you have to keep – it's just positional value. What matters yeah. more, pass rusher or wide receiver? Easily pass the rusher. The answer is pass rusher, so Shaq Barrett has to be it. I would totally agree with you right there. At the Baltimore Ravens, uh, should Yannick Ngakwe be it or not it? Not it. Not it. I don't think Yannick Ngakwe is worth the money that the franchise tag is going to pay him. Uh, defensive end, edge rusher, whatever whatever the tag label is now for edge rusher is astronomical. That is a very, very high number. I like Yannick Ngakwe, but I think the Ravens would be smart to actually let him walk and take the comp pick next year. Um, just, just let him go get paid because he's probably going to be one of the most sought-after defensive ends on the market once he hits it. Um, and I, I would let him go. You know, they only had him for half a season. He's not a cornerstone player. He's not a huge, you know, he's not the heart and soul of the locker room. I don't think he justifies the money that you would have to shell out for that franchise tag. 
And moving on to the Chicago Bears, Allen Robinson, is he it or not it? Not it. You tag Allen Robinson and he's going to like he's going to become a malcontent. We talk about people if you can't upgrade that quarterback situation in Chicago, if Mitch Trubisky is still going to be there, if they're going to re-sign him, uh, if they're going to roll with Nick Foles, whatever they're planning on doing, uh, if, if you're not trading for Russell Wilson, you can't tag Allen Robinson because he's just not going to be happy to be there. And that's going to become uh, I don't want to say cancer in a locker room because I'm not saying Allen Robinson is the locker room cancer. I'm saying he deserves I don't know what Allen Robinson did in a former life to deserve the quarterback hell. It has been Blake Bortles and Mr. Trubisky. <laughs> yeah. But he pissed off the football gods at some point. Um, Allen Robinson deserves a good quarterback, and I don't think Chicago would be smart to keep him around because I just don't think he would – he wouldn't be happy playing on the franchise tag for sure. Uh, yes, but a possibility that has been floated for Allen Robinson is a tag it trade scenario where the Bears uh, tag it in an attempt to trade him and get something in return. Absolutely. If they can pull that off and they can have something waiting in the wings and ready to go, then you can do it. But I wouldn't tag him as the Chicago Bears and not move him. I think tagging him and keeping him is a very poor decision for the Chicago Bears. Now, now if you're the Cowboys, and this is obviously the elephant in the room when it comes to franchise tag, it's Dak Prescott. Tag him another year and re-sign him? Or do you tag him and just let him play a year and see what happens with Russell Wilson after the 2021 season? But first of all, is Dak Prescott it or not it? He has to be it because I don't I don't foresee them coming to a, a deal before the the franchise tag, you know, before the ninth, before they can't apply it anymore. You have to apply it because you have to hold on to it. Because if Dak, Mar- if Dak Prescott hits the open market, he's going to be one of the highest paid quarterbacks in football. And there's going to be 15 teams that are immediately trying to sign him. Immediately. Maybe more. Maybe 20 teams. I don't know. Think about think about the NFC East. Washington would be going after him. Philly would be going after oh, him. Oh, yeah. Immediately. Immediately. And they would be willing to out. Well, Philly might not be able to outpay. But Washington sure can. And you put you put Dak Prescott on that Washington football team that almost beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the playoffs, that would be a very very dangerous squad. So you have to tag him if you're the Cowboys, and then you have to try and re-sign him to a long-term deal. Uh, I don't think you can sit around and wait for maybe fingers crossed Russell Wilson happens. That's 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 you know you, you, you know the old you know the old you know the old expression shit in one hand and, and wish in the other and see which one fills up first. That's what it's like if you're going to sit around and wait for a Russell Wilson trade. You can't you can't depend on a future trade a year a year away to make things happen. The 49ers did that with Kirk Cousins and now we see where they're at. So really they have to they have to tag him and they have to try and re-sign him long term. Yes, I believe uh, re-signing Dak Prescott would be the best possible move for the Cowboys because, as you said, the Russell Wilson situation uh, remains uh, very uncertain. And the Denver Broncos, uh, like Dak Prescott, Justin Simmons, both he and Dak share the same agent, by the way, um, are candidates to be tagged for two years straight. Is Justin Simmons it or not it? Uh, I think he's not it. I think the the Broncos... I like the Broncos. I mean, I like the Broncos. I like Bangio. I like I like a lot of what they're doing, but Drew Locke has shown that he's not the guy there. And I think they really need to focus on getting a quarterback in some capacity to take that team to the next level. I think Justin Simmons played very well last year. Uh, the safety tag is a is a high price tag again. Um, I would try and sign him long term before you have to get to the tag situation. Um, but I don't think he is a, a, a glue guy. I don't think he's a guy that holds that whole defense together. So I think you can take a risk on either being able to re-sign him or you take the comp pick in 2022. 
Uh, yeah, you with George Pate there, do you think the Broncos should uh, go all in on reconstructive surgery and get rid of Justin Simmons and release Von Miller as well? Yeah, I, th- I think they should. I think they kind of got to hit the reset button just a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, there's a lot of talent in this year's draft. This is a very deep draft. From what I'm from what I'm looking at, I think you can get a lot of quality guys in the fourth and fifth round that could be day one starters, and especially at the safety position. I think safety position is very deep this year. So I think when you look at the overall big picture, moving on from Von Miller, who has having his legal issues, he's having whatever else is going on with him. Um, I, I think he, you know, he hasn't been able to stay on the field. There's a lot of things that you kind of just, it's time. It's time. Von Miller, absolute great. He'll go in the, the Broncos' ring of fame or whatever they have there at Mile High Stadium. But I think uh, I think it's time to move on. Uh, yes, Von Miller, probably also a serious Hall of Fame candidate as well for a gold jacket. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, he should be in both eventually. And with the Detroit Lions, now with Jared Goff in town, uh, arguably the guy who's going to be his best friend at offense, Kenny Galladay, is coming out of contract. Is he it or not it on the franchise tag? I love Kenny Galladay. I love Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay deserves better than Jared Goff. With that being said, Detroit's going to tag him. Uh, Detroit's going to tag him because that is a bad franchise. And what do you do when you have no shot of retaining your best weapon on offense? You tag him. Yeah. And I think I think that's what's going to happen. And that's an unfortunate situation. So I think we're going to have to wait until 2022 before we see Kenny Galladay hit the open market. Uh, the Green Bay Packers with uh, Aaron Jones. Uh, do you do what the Titans did with Derrick Henry last year and tag him, or do you let him hit the open market? You have to let him hit the open market. Um, Aaron Jones, phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal player. He's going to get paid. And, and anybody that follows me on Twitter, anybody that's heard me talk about running backs, you don't pay running backs. I agree. <laughs> you don't pay running backs. I don't care. I, we've seen so many of these big contracts come and, you know, Christian McCaffrey signs his mega deal and then misses 13 games. Zeke Elliott signs his mega deal and then falls off a cliff. You know, there's just so many of these guys that you, you can find someone else that can do it. You can find someone else that can do it. Uh, LaFleur comes from the Shanahan tree. It, it, you can go get an undrafted guy. You can go get two guys that can do what Aaron Jones does for considerably cheaper. Don't pay running backs. Just don't do it. And last but not least, the Los Angeles Chargers. Do you tag Hunter Henry for a second straight season, or do you let him hit the market? Is he it or not it? Uh, I think he's going to be it. I think they want to hold on to him for a second year because I think they really want to see him develop with Justin Herbert. Uh, Brandon Staley's probably going to want as much consistency as he can get for Herbert uh, with the turmoil of you know firing the head coach and changing the coaching staff and everything else. I think you want the players to remain consistent. Hunter Henry, very, very, very quality tight end. Uh, probably just outside the top five at this point. Um, but you got to pay to keep certain guys around. And I think if you can get one more season out of Hunter Henry, maybe draft a guy, maybe get somebody like, uh, like McKitty out of Georgia, maybe get, you know, just go sign a, a cheap guy in free agency and you can eventually replace Hunter Henry. But I think for the sake of Justin Herbert and consistency for a young quarterback, you got to hold on to him. He is Matt Barr, ladies and gentlemen. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Barr underscore and catch his work at 49ersgoldmine.com. And Matt, thank you so much once again for joining us. And that's it for today here on Sports Crush, but we'll be back here next week with more of our Dash of the Draft series, plus a very, 
very special pre-free agency interview with NFLPA certified agent Ken Sarnoff, so stay tuned. But in the meantime, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at sportscrunch.com. And remember that it's crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Matt. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at dcrom 59 Format bar. This is David Cromwell saying so long, and as usual, stay awesome, stay safe, stay sane, wear a mask over your nose, wash your hands, social distance, and when it's your turn, please get vaccinated. Thank you very much, everybody. <laughs>